You're listening to the Functional Nerds Podcast with your hosts, Patrick Hester and Tracy Townsend. Okay. Yeah. This this one wins. This one wins. (laughs) Do you want to explain to the listeners what we just saw, Tracy? I mean, well, we know that Patrick loves um, sort of surprising, sort of greeting people uh, with Grogu when when the the sort of... the, the, the beat drops on the intro. And uh, this is the first time that we've had someone grab their cat to, uh, <laughs> to, to Grogu headbang in the, in sync with, and that I, I dig the energy. And I also dig the fact that the cat was completely down with this. Yeah. <laughs> like the cat yeah. was like, well, it's Saturday. This is normal. <laughs> that, that's Finn for you. He's, he's my <laughs> little excellent. orange trickster God. That's amazing. We are we are Finn fans. That's uh, I mean, Finn, we probably would have been anyway. But yeah, Finn's just like you're touching me. I don't care. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I'm here. Let's do this. Yeah, we, we <laughs> just, he's, he's best cat TM. You know, because he's just <laughs> mellow, sh- shedding clouds of fur. You know, doing all the cat things. I'm I'm uh, I'm trying to remember. So our guest today is Beth Cato, and I'm sure Tracy has a whole spiel that she wants to do. But before we do that, uh, I'm trying to remember Beth. It, it, were we sitting on like bleachers somewhere recording an episode one time, like with a little recorder? Do you remember that? Yes, it was in Spokane. Spokane, that's right. And we were and we were under the apocalyptic on sun because mm-hmm. there were nearby wildfires, and yeah. we were under this blazing red sun, and the skies were dark, even though it was like late afternoon or something. And it was this like the creepiest. Yeah. ever and we were God. sitting there talking about me and ed's pizza and stuff like that oh that's you were right, recording I... <laughs> you were recording in the apocalypse we were we're, we're yeah. serious we get the job I, I, I used to have my little zoom and i still have it here somewhere and i think i even i the the one that you've seen tracy is the upgraded model, yeah but this was the this oh, was the original okay. zoom and uh, that's right, because you were you're you're also from, or at least California and Central San Joaquin Valley. So we we did talk about Mianet's Pizza, which I do still miss. That's like the only yes. thing from California that I really miss. I truly yeah. truly miss. Uh, did you know? Just as a side note, did you know that if you search on HomeDepot.com, if you search for grill or barbecue grill, one of the options that comes up is pizza oven. I'm just mm-hmm. saying. I'm just saying. I have looked at those before. I have to say, like they, they tend to like sit on little tabletops and stuff. And yeah, yeah. Well, I do like that the 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 pellet grills that I've been looking at recently. Mm-hmm. All the pictures of them show like vegetables, meats, seafood, and a pizza all together go. inside them <laughs> simultaneously. Like, yeah, it's like really. Oh, that'd be so cool. Anyway. Tracy, please do your spiel. <laughs> I have I have squirreled us very very early in the episode because no no it's fine we we expect no less. Um, so yeah, we do have Beth Cato with us, and I was actually saying to Beth in the uh, green room time as we got started that I I owe her a solid because when we were talking about uh, getting her on because of the first book in her latest duology dropping at the start of June here, a thousand recipes for revenge. One of the things she said was, well, do do you want a copy of the book where? Can I send it? And so I gave her my address and the book arrived just in time for me to go to an awful lot of doctor appointments. And so I was spending so much time 
in places that, um, you know, weirdly, one of the doctor offices has this obsession with, I don't know what it's called. I think it's called me TV now because like, Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's the thing that's like all really dated fifties and sixties programs. Um, and so, yeah, I don't even like, there was some Matlock in there or whatever, but also a lot of other things, um, from prior to that point. At night, at at night, me TV, because I, I used to have that on for Mm. mom. At yeah. night, they also show classic sci-fi stuff. So they would show Star Trek. They would show the time. Okay. Level. Okay. Well, I might, need, I might need to check that out at yeah. some point. But um, yeah. but anyway, I had a choice between either sort of staring at me TV and longing for death um, or reading <laughs> A Thousand Recipes for Revenge, which sounds like damning with faint praise. But I need <laughs> you to understand that it was just genuinely delightful and diverting. And I'm so grateful that you sent a copy of it. Oh, I'm so excited you. to have you on. So welcome, Beth. Well, thank you. I'm glad that my book, you know, was able to be somewhat of a pleasant retreat against, you know, Matlock saving the day yet again with his, you know, with his cool Southern charm. I'm gonna throw it That's out a there. really lengthy you... self blurb, but I like it. <laughs> I, don't I don't know if you do know this, but here's the way my brain works. Uh, they're rebooting Matlock. They're rebooting okay. everything, so it doesn't surprise yeah, me. They're bringing Matlock okay. back, but now it's um, Kathy uh, Bates. Oh. oh, so it's a gender it's flip. Gonna, Matt, it's a gender flip. Yeah, and but she's going to be playing Matlock. Okay, I can you know what? I could go for that. Like, I don't know that I would. <laughs> I would in my. No one believes me when I would say like I would make that a priority for watching TV because everyone knows that I am horrible at TV uh, and that I practically never watch it. Um, but, but I actually, I would, I would get behind that. That's I like yeah. Kathy Bates. I mean, you could have Kathy Bates reading a phone book, and I would line up for it with money. So there's also that. (laughs) Okay. Once again, squirreled. So so in thousand recipes for revenge, I sort of feel like this is the book that is inevitable for your interests and who you are as a writer and a fantasist. And I, I'm just going to kind of kick it over to you, Beth, to explain to people why this is an irrefutable thesis. (laughs) It is. There are certain works that I do that you could call signature Beth Cato works. And I think this book, yeah, it, it, it hits that. It's it's the brand. Um, if anyone knows anything about me online, uh, I have a food blog called Ready or Not that I've had for over 10 years. And I have post new recipes every Wednesday, lots of cookies and sweets and goodies. And I also love cheese. Mm. And yeah. the cheese thing has really, weirdly enough, become like my reputation in recent years, which I never would have anticipated. <laughs> and, you know, if, if I'm going to choose a reputation, I'll go with that, you know, better than, you I know. I wonder if you can get a sponsorship. Like, could you like show up at a, at a convention with like a, like almost like a NASCAR track suit, but just like <laughs> emblazoned with like Kerrygold and like all the different, I, like everywhere. Oh, I'd, I'd be just, all for it. You know, it's yeah. funny you say that. I, I won like a $150 value pack from Kerrygold last year. Oh, wow. So, yeah. <laughs> You know, I love entering random contests online. So I've actually won like hundreds of dollars of cheese and cheese knives and cheese boards and like butter and cheese. It's it's absolutely bizarre. But yeah, I do love Kerrygold okay. Dubliner is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the book is, it's about food magic. And it uses a setting of, inspired by Musketeer era France. So you get kind of these 16th, 17th century vibes of politics and warfare and it's a unique world. So there are five gods. It's a whole different theology. And it's complex. It's fun. I have two points of view. I have a 16-year-old and a 40-something woman. 
and it's just loads of fun to play with. And yeah, it's there's so much in there. I mean, you have cats in there playing a big role. You have horses. It's it's got food galore, talking about bread, cheese, wine, all the good stuff. And I meld it all together as best I can. I do need to warn our listeners that you will be very hungry while reading this book. Just, <laughs> you'll be like, I'm fine. And then you're going to be a couple chapters in and you're going to be like, I would kill a dude for a sandwich. And like, <laughs> just like, like, I would just, just give me a weapon or my bare hands, whatever, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll work with what we've got. <laughs> it's, it's funny because I, 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 I recently signed up with HelloFresh oh, okay. to try to get myself cooking again. And to, to, I'm trying to save money. I'm trying not to go to the grocery store and buy a bunch of stuff that I never make and then end up throwing out. So it looks good at the time. And then you're like, nah. Yeah. Yeah. Shopping Patrick and end of the day, dead on his feet, tired Patrick, who doesn't fucking want to cook, are two completely different people. I got to tell you. Um, so like I, but I, I, a couple days ago I made this, uh, it was like a Southwestern spicy noodle dish thing that they sent me and it and they gave me this tiny little packet of cheese and they're like you know use half the cheese when you're in and then put the other half on the end and i'm sitting there going well this is not enough cheese and so like i dumped a little packet in there during the first step and then i went to the fridge and i got a package of cheese and i started like dumping more cheese on there of course the 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 package crinkles in the same way that dog treat bags crinkles (laughs) now ronan's like (laughs) yeah he's like oh you called here yeah. I am. And it's like, you got to pay the cheese tax. So I put a little cheese on the floor <laughs> and then I put a little bit more. And then I did the, you know, where you're uh-huh. feeding yourself a couple of. You, got, you and, gotta make sure it's yeah. not poison. Yeah. Oh yeah. God. Yeah. You got to mm-hmm. taste it. Yeah. yeah. So like one, one of those pre-shredded bags of cheese uh, is usually good for half a recipe. Cause you know, like I, I got to eat some. Well, I mean, away. the standard size is like eight ounces. So if you're using like a quarter <laughs> of a pound of cheese in a recipe that might feed you more than once, this seems fine. Yeah, this it, is, works, it works yeah. out. It's, it's good protein, you know, all kinds of good stuff. Right. Yeah. It's practically Puritan <laughs> levels of restraint right there when you kind of think of it in those terms. So. <laughs> now, have, you, have, you, have you considered reaching out to the state of Wisconsin, Wisconsin for like some sort of sponsorship deal? Like you could become the... the Man, I wish. The, <laughs> this but, is why you're planning on moving Wisconsin proximity. We yeah, I'm actually an ambassador. Yeah, I'm going to be in Minnesota, like right on the Wisconsin border. It's going to be like literally like a couple miles away. So mm-hmm. there will be ready. You're going to you're going to have to learn how to properly pronounce that. <laughs> Wisconsin? But, no, Minnesota. Oh, Minnesota. Okay. Uh, they're they're going to they're going to know I'm from you California. Betcha. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's Wisconsin. Wisconsin. <laughs> I don't know. I like I having grown up in the Chicagoland area, I've I've been um taught meaningless uh and and vicious bias against Wisconsinians my entire life, but I will say I've never actually run into a Wisconsinite when a cheesehead. Um I have never run into <laughs> to such a person who says Wisconsin. Like I don't I don't think that's okay. I know. Like, I really but don't. I will say that that Wisconsin <laughs> Wisconsin uh someday I hope that they are able to afford a professional football team. I think mm. that would be oh, really ooh. good for them. Ooh, ooh people are going to uh, not like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dub bears. Dub bears. <laughs> well, I mean, they're probably going to save something on their salary cap from having traded out Rodgers, so there's yeah. you know that. Um, 
Wow. So uh, if we had our numbers in real time, if this wasn't being recorded and distributed later, we we could like track to see like, oh, your streams in this upper Midwest are just like tanked entirely. What's going on? If we want to go a positive way, let's talk hockey because that's more my family's interest. And my husband is very excited that we're going to be in hockey territory. Oh, yeah. You are. Very cool. After being in Arizona where seeing someone who knows what hockey is, is like, oh, you're my best friend. You know hockey. I don't care what teams you like. You like hockey. (laughs) So, okay. Can you like put on skates and go out there and do stuff? Is that where you are with hockey or is it just like this is this is your passionate fandom? Well, my husband loves hockey and he does roller hockey and he's done ice skating and things like that before, too, which is there are very limited venues for that. Around oh, the right. area, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you have to really, you know, drive away from where we are, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but where we're we're, li- we're going to be living, they're going to have pond hockey in the winter, right. so it's yeah, completely different than than what we've been used to for you know sixteen years. Now yeah, it's going to be like. Uh, well, as you can say, uh, the difference between Phoenix and Minnesota is that in in Minnesota, um, water falls from the sky. <laughs> And it can be very, very, very cold sometimes, and, and yeah. it becomes ice or snow. And that is going to be yes. something that you're going to have to adjust to. Yes. It's going to be very different. Yes. Very, very much so, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have, believe in you. You, you. you Actually, you don't have to have all of your water, like, trucked in from other states. It's just it comes from the sky. <laughs> so amazing. Yeah. Boggles the mind. <laughs> 10,000 lakes, I've heard. Yeah. So, um. <laughs> oh, that's another thing. You're you're gonna what, have to get used to something. Oh my god, this is gonna blow your mind. Uh, they actually have stuff in Minnesota that's green. It grows that <gasps> way. It's green. no way. You're serious? <laughs> you mean the trees don't try and stab me? <laughs> oh, the stabby wow. murder trees. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, lots of stabby murder trees around here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's there's still some kind of like stabby murder trees, but they they they're dressed up in fluffy stuff too. So you know, mm-hmm. they're like they're like stabby murder trees on their way to a cotillion. Very yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, different yeah, vibe. Kind of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so okay, uh, the cotillion thing was actually a blatant effort on my part to steer us back towards fancy dresses, to steer us back towards um, the the sort of vibes <laughs> of your text. So did it work? Did we make it? Yes. Yes, because oh, I good. have a princess. Fantastic. Yes, I have a princess and she has to dress you fancy. You do have a princess yeah. who probably wears things that are much nicer than the cotillion dresses of the stabby trees. Um, so I think one of, the, one of the things about your text that's interesting, I mean, one of the things, there's lots of things about this. This is a really interesting book. Um, you know, we've got the multiple gods. We've got a sort of food-based magic system which is just ripe for exploitation for political and um power mongering oriented purposes uh and is actually part of the reason why our central character is in the situation that she's in as the book opens um but we also have these two really key characters who are sort of in the process of finding each other um after a sort of separation and that I think is uh, I think that's that's always a great dynamic to have, especially when you're following multiple points of view there. So I guess what what made you land on this? Like this has to be a, a family story on some level, as well as like a food magic story. Yeah, it, it really is. And, you know, I don't think it's a huge spoiler to say this is a mother and daughter because, you know, it's back mm-hmm. the book blurb and uh, separated since Princess Solon was a couple days old. Mm-hmm. So Solon has no idea that her birth mother was a chef 
that the musketeer captain who she adores and takes care of her on a daily basis is actually her father and not just her guardian. And yeah, a lot of the book is set around kind of working towards a reunion for Solon and for Ada. And they've led very different lives. And Ada doesn't even know that her daughter ended up being raised a princess. So it's it's an interesting dynamic. And I've actually never written in multiple points of view before. Mm-hmm. Ever. Really? Not even in short stories or anything like that. So oh, wow. working on this book was um, very brain breaking, I would say. I went through many, many drafts, not only trying to get the balance between the perspectives right, but also just the overall, just the rhythm, how to, how to pace it, how to work it. It's a very different than just doing a straightforward linear narrative. That's really interesting. You know, now I'm thinking back on your, I thought to myself, that can't be right. Like I'm going to, well, actually Beth Cato about her own work here. And then (laughs) I look, I look back on it in my head. I'm like, nope, that one. And that one, and that one, I'm like, holy shit, she's right. Of course she's right. Um, But yeah, it's, it's, so what, what flipped the switch for you then? I mean, if you've got a career that's been defined by um, really fascinating settings and magic use and, you know, really fun, interesting characters, but always sort of in the lens of this one character's experience, why go a little, this, this is so much in your wheelhouse, what this book is. There's this one thing that's sort of outside of it. And that's really interesting. Yeah, I think a lot of it just came down to the needs of the story. My original concept for it was centered on Ada. I wanted a a woman character who was my own age, in her 40s, as a hero, because you don't see enough of that. And my previous novels, the characters have been in their early 20s, and that, in all honesty, is what is most wanted by publishers. It is kind of this, you know, they're young, they, they can take some abuse in the course of their journey and all this, that they have their lives ahead of them. I wanted someone who was in their 40s, who was dealing with perimenopause symptoms, had lived a life, a hard life, and had that experience. And I, my initial concept was, the woman is living with her grandmother. Uh, she's been in hiding. People are trying to kill her. She doesn't know why. She has to get her grandmother's safety, get her old gang together, find out the reason why. That was the rough concept, and it ended up being pretty true to the final product. And in the course of developing Ada and her past, I realized I needed the daughter's perspective. And that really gives me a chance to show court, gives me a chance to show the politics. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people just adore Solon. They, they, They enjoy both, both characters, but something about Solon seems to really pull people in, in particular. She's 16 years old. And I'm sure some people say, you know, oh, it's a YA book. It doesn't fit all the hallmarks of a YA book because there's a lot more going on and it defies a lot of the YA tropes. And I say that as someone who loves YA and sees zero shame in, in writing that genre. I love it to bits. But it, it definitely defies a lot of the conventions of just a YA book because it does have these two perspectives twining together to tell the whole story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially when those when those perspectives are equally important and valued. Like, you know, YA will do multiple perspectives, but it'll be multiple perspectives of the young, you know, yeah. in, in and the it interest. Does tend to build, of, it's usually building toward a romance. Yeah. Yeah. So we can always. kind of yeah. be like, just kiss already. And yeah. kind of do that whole thing. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So this is kind of um, a little bit off the the, the beaten path of what we were talking about, but thinking about Solen's father and, and the guardian who is, um, who, well, 
actually the guardian is the father, but in any case, thinking about the kind of swashbuckling angle of it, mm-hmm. why the swashbuckling angle of it, especially in a story that privileges these women? Like that's, I don't think that we, we've gotten a lot of women in swashbuckling stories. Am I answering my own question here? <laughs> and that's, that's me being rebellious and, want, and wanting to see that, especially for a woman of that age. Again, not in her 20s, but in this world, in Verdania, where the main setting is in this book, they train their chefs, which are essentially families that traditionally have the tongues are touched by the gods, to use the lingo of the book. And they have various abilities, uh, but generally they can they know food at a deeper level than other people. You have cooks, and then you have chefs with a capital C. And in the case of Ada, she's an even more unusual chef because she has an empathetic tongue. And that means that she is so sensitive that it, when she is near food that other people are holding, she knows the food is there and she can even sense how it would taste to other people. And she can therefore, when she's cooking, she can use the food and the ingredients to the fullest and also bring in the very intervention of the gods to bring in magical effects if the ingredients include epicuria which is essentially the special ingredient within the book that goes across flora and fauna. And you can get all kinds of magical effects when a chef is, is using that food force in, in a way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there's, you know, I'm being very general because there's a lot sure. that readers will learn in the course of the mm-hmm. story. Now there's always that dance of like, talk about your book and you're like, but yeah. 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 Sure. So, yeah keeping it to the basic knowledge from the beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's, I really wanted to have someone who was trained as a chef, but also in Verdania, they're trained as warriors. They're soldiers. They are military officers. Uh, They are Mm -hmm. the ones, you know, who guard supplies and make sure the water's fresh because, you know, armies march on their stomach, as any any historian will tell you. But she's also a competent soldier. You know, she Mm -hmm. she was conscripted against her will Mm -hmm. and forced, you know, to serve in the army. And that's how she met Musketeer Irwin Court Rays because he was representing uh, his own country and they were a combined military unit. Yeah. Uh, standing up against Albion, the, you know, the England equivalent on the island to the north. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I really wanted to bring all those together to show competent women of all ages. Ada is competent as a warrior, as a chef. Uh, she has some battle savvy. She makes some errors. She's by no means perfect, but she can, she can get by and, you know, scrape along and survive. And then Solon, she's raised a princess, but she's not cosseted. She is essentially a diplomat in training and by her own interests. And she's very much inspired by Princess Leia. Very much yeah. inspired by Leia. And she doesn't have really anything beyond defensive capabilities, but she's not stupid either. And so it's really wanting to be them to bring in their own expertises across their age groups and have fun with it and show them, you know, being competent and getting by. That's absolutely awesome. So I, I think that, again, this would be playing a game that would be tempting too many spoilers and things, but to sort of like <laughs> imagine the different scenarios in which uh, a chef could use, um, or Ada in particular, could use the power of the empathetic tongue to accomplish things. But I guess we'll leave that as an exercise to the perspective reader uh, to imagine all the ways in which power 
invested within food and within knowledge of food could be turned into a, a sort of a political weapon or a militaristic weapon or, or things of that yeah. nature. Um, swing in the other direction, though, to just like food food. Um, <laughs> naturally, as a function of getting ready for today's recording, I sat down and was you know, doing my Beth Cato homework and doing all the the, the, the stuff. And of course, I landed on Bready or Not, uh, your long running blog. And I'm very hungry now. Um, but in <laughs> addition to being very hungry now, it's it's um, I am also lost within the vastness of things. I just got done reading a chicken soup recipe and I'm like vaguely upset that it's going to be 80 degrees tomorrow because now I just really want chicken and rice soup. Um, so thanks. Um, <laughs> you're, you're welcome. <laughs> With a question mark? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's uh, more of an observation than a question. But one thing I do notice that I think is genuinely hilarious, and I think Patrick will appreciate this because he, you know, has struggled a little bit with the motivation to cook, but likes cooking, cares about food, you know, has done it for a long time, is you're a writer by trade. And your recipe blog does not include 90 paragraph intros to every single recipe. I just oh, couldn't I've, help I've, but be struck by that irony. I have made Beth's recipes before. Like I have, mm -hmm. when I need a recipe, Aww. a lot of times I'll go to Beth's and especially the baking stuff. Cause I, yeah. I suck at baking. I really do. Mm -hmm. and, and, yeah. and basically yeah. it's because baking is science and math and I suck at math and I always have. And it's like, you know, I, I will follow the directions to make cookies. And then my cookies are flat and soft. And then it goes, oh, well, you put too much butter in. Fuck you. I put exactly what it said to put in there. You know? It, it, so I have I have used hers. Like I, I did the, because um, she did uh, the macaroni and cheese that was like the John Legend or something. Macaroni yeah, yeah. And yeah, I call it the legendary it. macaroni and cheese. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that one became huge in 2020 when people were under lockdown and that one became oh, very yeah. popular. Yeah, yeah it's a make-ahead recipe where you use evaporated milk and you can yeah. make it, you can assemble it a day ahead and then bake it when you need to. And it's it's my, it's my company's coming over recipe. Yeah, mm -hmm. and the, the thing to remember there, Tracy, the most important thing to remember there is that there is a difference between evaporative milk or evaporated milk and condensed milk. Condensed, yeah. Yes. I remember yes. you... you sharing this narrative and it's uh it was i think it was an alderon kind of moment where millions of voices screamed and were all simultaneously snuffed out as we imagined what macaroni and cheese laced with sweetened condensed milk would be like um when i read that i, re I think i was like oh no so it, was, it was very much an alderon moment yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I think Tracy's point though is to, and, and potentially the question that she's getting to is most of these blogs and these recipe sites uh, tell a story first and you don't. So yeah. what's going on? Why? Because I find most food blogs now are right. intolerable and I've largely stopped going to yeah. them because not only do you have to go through a dissertation to get to the actual recipe, you have about 50 ads You'll get multiple yeah. pop-ups and you have all this junk going on. Even yeah. if you have an ad blocker, there's still stuff creeping through. And there's a video trying to happen and all this other junk. Yeah. I don't have any ads. It's to the point. I want People want to get to the recipe? Okay. I used to post a lot more pictures. And now I just pretty much do three pictures along with every post. And mm -hmm. maybe 100, 200 words of text leading into the recipe. That's it. So 
it, a lot of that is it just come from me just being annoyed to bits about other food blogs. Well, I I not deeply appreciate like it because like you you're you have one of the very few food blogs where if I want to look up a recipe. I can actually do it on my phone and not yeah. spend like a half an hour flipping yes, and flipping yes. just to get to the material. Even the ones that are like hit this button to skip down to the recipe, it's a lie because like on the way to skipping down, it'll stop at a video or it'll do a thing yeah. or you know if you like accidentally graze the pop up, the next thing you know, it's trying to sell you orthopedic shoes. I was you know? I was just thinking I was going to make that same comment. Yeah, good luck scrolling mm-hmm. down because the they position it so that you have to click on it or you, you're trying to exit out and that makes it open. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a whole nightmare. Right. And the, the, the text that you do use tends to be, it's very practical. It's sort of things like, look, you know, when you're buying this ingredient, make sure you go for X and not for Y hint, hint Patrick. Um, or, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. make sure like, here's the origin of this. Like this is a Ukrainian cookie or this is a, yeah. you know, this is something that's comes from an Amish tradition and I didn't have this. So you can try substituting this and it'll probably work. Okay. And it, it tends to be very to the point and, and germane, which also five stars. Well, thank you. Yeah. And that's exactly why. And like, if, because we're all about portion control in my household, because most of the sweets I make, my husband takes to work. Mm-hmm. And the the things I make for him, because it's and, very and hard to I'm find. Sorry, sorry, I'm, just, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, before you keep going, yeah. are they hiring? Um, <laughs> the, the workplace receiving the treats. A nuclear plant is always hiring. <laughs> However, so, this this particular nuclear plant will not be the beneficiary of Cato brand sweets for very much longer. Yeah, they're I've, yeah they're going to be very sad. I I fear, but yeah, it's, someone else know, will have to take up the torch. You've left them a a, a literal breadcrumb trail by way of your bready or not they, block. They, so. Yeah, they can make them themselves. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so at home when it's stuff for my husband, I'm all about you know, is this freezable? You know, so a lot of times yeah. on my recipes, if it's a bundt cake or things like that, I will take care to mention this freeze is great, thaw is great. Um, if there are tips about reheating, like, okay, I found that if you put it in the microwave, 10 seconds, no more than that, or it'll melt and make a gooey mess, mm-hmm. you know, just want it warm. So I try and build in very practical advice and not, you know, this is the story of civilization according to this recipe. <laughs> yeah. So I want to I throw out there, like, I, I do a lot of searching. I use my iPad. I use my phone. Uh, to find sites and find recipes. When I was when I was deeply into uh, like COVID stuff and taking care of mom and having to to plan meals and stuff, I started using an app called Paprika, hmm. and uh, I've got it on the iPad and I've also got it on on the phone. And it essentially ha- you can plan your meals out. And, and to your point, Tracy, when you're going mm-hmm. through and like I'm planning the meals out for the week, I click on them and I add them to the schedule and everything. And then I click a button and I get a grocery list <clears throat> that I can go through. And then that can be on my phone. So when I actually went to the grocery store, I had it on the phone. Um, I have gotten less organized since then. <laughs> like I don't. You know, I it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of time and effort and brain power to do that kind of stuff. It really does. Yeah. I, but I, I'm, what I'm liking about the HelloFresh thing is that they give me portions. So I don't have to buy a sack of potatoes to make one recipe. They send oh, yes. me like two potatoes. They send me uh, a lime for something. And I don't have to go and think about getting limes, you know, to make lime juice. Uh, or they'll, they'll send me just the right amount of, of everything except cheese. I have to add cheese. But they, <laughs> they will send me like uh, – uh, 
a couple of scallions instead of having to buy a whole thing or a couple yeah. of things of celery instead of having to buy a whole thing. And, and so then I, I'm not having to think about what am I going to do with all this extra? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like less waste. You is can only thing. have potatoes so many times yes. <laughs> before you're like potatoed out. So I, I do I mean, like that aspect I, of it. I don't know. My relationship to potatoes is sort of adjacent to Beth's relationship to cheese. So (laughs) we can agree to disagree on that one. (laughs) Well, and both have finite life cycles too. I mean, if you have potatoes around too long, your eyes will start sprouting growth and you'll have a lot more potatoes. Oh no, you get something looks like it came out of Lovecraft story. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 (laughs) Oh, let's talk about, Things that we're digging and things uh, things that we're we're loving makes me feel like we're we're picks of the week ready. I think we're warmed up. We good? You think so? Want to do it? Yeah, I think we could do it. Picks of the week. All right. So I I proposed it. So I guess I should throw myself on the uh, on the fire first here. Um, so talking about recipes and things like that, I'm a sucker uh, for recipe books and recipe blogs and various things, you know, long narratives notwithstanding. And although it, it's not always a company that generates very innovative recipes, it is one that generates very reliable recipes that are usually a good mix of semi-prepared ingredients with more sort of natural and unprocessed ingredients that are that and therefore gives you kind of a range of things that are quick to make but also sort of different and i've been playing around lately with recipes from taste of homes everyday sheet pan uh cookbook and sheet pan cooking is not something that i've done a lot of before but now that i'm trying it out i'm like oh actually this is a pretty solid move because usually my way of dealing with how do i feed family when come home from work everyone is hungry what do um has been either unfold the leftovers and turn it into the leftover party day after day after day after day until there are none left or giant crockpot vat of thing return home. That works great in the winter and the fall, but we're starting to get into warm enough weather now that I can be like, look guys, beef stew. And my family's like, fuck you. (laughs) We don't want your beef stew. We want something else. And so the idea that you can, you know, you can take care of everything from sort of desserts to mains and, and sides and potentially not so much maybe with the desserts and the main and the side, take care of it all on the same sheet pan at the same time with relatively little fussing, huge, huge game changer. So I've been enjoying that. And uh, if that's the sort of thing that you're into, you might want to check it out. Taste of Home so is very reliable it? recipes. Uh, it's Taste of Home is the uh, publisher ah. brand and uh, it's Everyday Sheet Pan. It also ah. features that I like. The recipes all fit onto a single page um, with fairly large print, I should say. Most of the ingredients are either you definitely already have this in your house or you can find this at an entirely bog standard, very normal grocery store. And finally, every single recipe has a full color photo. And so you have a much better idea of what you're actually potentially going to be doing. And so that's super cool. Awesome. All right. So Beth, how about you? Oh, gosh, a favorite thing. Well, I've got, okay, I'm going to talk cheese. Let, let's okay. go to let's go to cheese. Yeah. Um, Sartori Bellavitano. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to go more specific than that. I'm going to I'm going to go I'm going to go maker. I'm going to talk. I'm going to I'm going to go deep here. Uh, mm-hmm. Sartori Bellavitano. Um, it's a line of cheeses out of Wisconsin. They they're all awesome. They do some. They're like 
oil and herbs and things like that. But they have also have a lot of ones that are alcohol washed that are really good. Oh, okay. And I just yesterday finished up a block that I was able to find at Costco, all hail the might of the Costco cheese section, that was a <laughs> Scotch whiskey washed Sartori Bellavitano. And what I love about these Bellavitano cheeses is it's a very dense, creamy cheese and it's aged. So it has the wonderful inherent crystallization, oh, okay. which is the mark of some people get freaked out when their cheese crunches when they're biting into it. But it's natural, especially for cheddars. When you get for aged cheddars, you'll have crystallization inside and also a lot of cheddars get a dusting outside and it's not mold. It is crystallization. It is a good thing. And so there are lots of these beautiful crunchy crystals inside that can even sometimes uh, be almost like a little wet and it adds a wonderful texture. And it's, these cheeses are fantastic on salads, on crackers with just anything. And the alcohol flavor is very mild and light and fruity in different ways across, cause they have ones that are different wine washed ones. They have it that they have like a Cabernet Sauvignon, they have bourbon, they have, they have tons of different options out there. A lot of grocery stores will have small wedges in the fancy cheese section. Or if you have a cheesemonger nearby, I bet the cheesemonger can get it too. But yeah, nice. so Sartori Belvitano, giving them a shout out. Very cool. Very cool. So you, How really, about you, Patrick? You, 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 you posted quite a bit about that Costco cheese section. Yes. They have impressed you. They were a reason why I became a Costco member back in like 2015 ah. thereabouts, because I, I heard it was actually um, at conventions. I heard that, oh, if you go to Sam's Club and Costco, they have all these great cheeses for fantastic prices. And then I heard that they carried Kerrygold Dubliner at Costco, which is one of my gateway cheeses to cheese obsession. And I was like, okay, if, if I can get cheap Dubliner at Costco, we're going to Costco. That's how they got me. You need a T-shirt that says like "Dealer in Gateway Cheese." Um, there you, there you go. You know, yeah. you know. So if Costco picturing... wants to get, if Costco wants to meet with me and talk about cheese and all that, I, you know, oh, yeah. my contact forms on my website. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, so I guess it's my turn, and I'm going to be. I'm not going to do a food thing, so sorry. But uh, that's okay. You're you're uh, giving relief to Cannoli Joe, who sometimes has complained we have made him hungry. So. Well, I will throw it out that we, you know, we're doing this in May, and May the Fourth had just happened. So did True. you guys leave out? Did you leave out? You know, some blue milk and some chicken nuggets for Baby Yoda. You know, I didn't. I didn't observe uh, the appropriate rituals for other people's households, but we observed the the appropriate ritual in Shea Townsend, which is celebrating my son's birthday, which is May fourth. So, um, yes, May go. the fourth is always with us, but for for reasons different than for others. That's funny because I dated someone who had a daughter whose birthday was also May fourth, and the daughter hated Star Wars because of it. Hated oh. Star Wars. You know, like wanted wanted the May fourth to be about. Her birthday, not yeah. about Star Wars. So anyway, uh, speaking of Star Wars, uh, on May the 4th, Disney Plus dropped Star Wars Visions Volume 2. And this is a anthology series. It's, it's little short stories, each one done by a different animation studio across the world. So uh, you get lots of different animation styles, lots of different storytelling, uh, I'm gonna. It's funny because this goes back to cheese. But my favorite one that had me cracking up was the one from the the folks who make Wallace and Gromit. Oh yeah, 
They have one, and and it's very British, <laughs> and it's uh, it's a uh, uh, are they uh, uh, it's Harrison Dula's species. I, I don't I don't think they're Twi'lek. I think there's something else, or maybe they are Twi'lek. Yeah, so it's a mother and daughter, and the daughter is going to a uh, uh, pilot school where Wedge Antilles is like the spokesperson for it. Like there's all this stuff about Wedge and he's got like a store where you can buy merchandise that's that's his and all yeah. this. And, but she's there to be a pilot and she's embarrassed because there's family race day and she's oh. embarrassed by her mother and doesn't want to do family race day. And then, you know, stuff happens, but it's, it's very British. It's very, uh, I think it's Ardman, Ardbrin, Ardman. Yeah. Ard- yeah. Um, it's their style. It's the, it's the stop anima, uh, stop motion animation. It's very, very funny. That was my favorite one, uh, out of the, the batch that I watched. I haven't finished it yet, but it's out there. It's volume two, uh, six to eight episodes or something like that. And, uh, it's just wonderful. I, I, I love the visions because it's, like I said, totally different styles, all kinds of different animation, all kinds of different stories, stories you would never see, you know, in, a, in like a mainstream Star Wars thing. Yeah. And and so it's just fun. It's just fun. Star Wars Visions Volume 2. If you haven't seen Volume 1, I, I highly recommend that as well. That was a that was a great series. So I will say as much as Disney is a is a highly problematic capitalist giant, um it its acquisition of Star Wars and Marvel as brands seems to have been smart enough to kind of like open up their respective universes more for these sort of like anthology playgrounds uh, and to kind of, it, it becomes an interesting way of doing fan service moves, but not necessarily having to commit a lot of resources to it. And I, I think it's very clever on their part. Yeah, I agree. All right, so we're getting now, close I, I, I'm to. Gonna, I'm going to throw, throw one thing out there because I yeah, have let's to do it. it. Throw it out. I would love, I would absolutely fucking love, if Disney said, like, just announced, we've made a deal and we're moving Disney World outside of Florida. Oh, it is like the magic crane, just like sort of slices the yep. the, the perma layer off and just like lifts it. Sure. Like I would yeah. love that because then explain explain to your constituents that you've just lost you know, millions, if not billions of dollars in revenue for your and the top and jobs. For the state. And yeah. 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 <sighs> That's what I would love. I would love to see that announcement in the next month or so, but I don't think I will, but it would be so fucking cool. Anyway, you were about to bring us to a close oh. before I started. Well, I was, I was about to, to offer uh, a, a tiny little recipe out into the universe before bringing us towards, sure. towards closure here. Um, so since um, since we're with you, Beth, I thought I would share my kids' new favorite recipe for grilled cheese sandwiches. Okay. Um, and it's it's a riff off of a New York Times cooking uh, version of the recipe. So the ingredients are mostly not uh, surprising for people, except for one of them. And so uh, sourdough bread, you know, is a good start. If you don't have sourdough, of course, other types will work. But sourdough bread, I think, you know, lends a certain something. Munster cheese on the inside because it's got that excellent pull and kind of nuttiness going on. And the twist is instead of uh, doing like butter or mayonnaise or whatever your go-to move is for the outside of the sandwich, you use tomb. Um, And tomb is a Lebanese Middle Eastern uh, spread that is 
kind of similar to hummus uh, in some respects. It's not grainy like hummus is because it's not based on like uh, chickpeas or legumes. It's actually just olive oil, lemon juice, and roasted whipped garlic. And it is this insanely fluffy, light spread that you can use for dipping and stuff if you intend to never kiss anyone again in your entire life. Um, Or you can use it as like a condiment on things. And so if you spread it on the outside of the bread and then you have to go low heat because since it's almost all um, garlic in there with a little bit of lemon juice and just a tiny bit of olive oil to kind of help it uh, coagulate together – it, it doesn't, it will burn very quickly. So you have to kind of mind it. So low heat, both sides probably takes two flips, both sides. Um, it's sort of like having the perfect garlic bread with grilled cheese going on in it. And there we go. So that's my, uh, that you can get tomb now in most grocery stores in the same places where you would find hummus and other sorts of dips. They spell it different ways. Sometimes it's T-O-O-M. Sometimes it's T-O-U-M. Um, or you can make it yourself if you're super industrious and don't mind peeling lots of garlic. That sounds great. Yeah, it's super great. All right. So if people want to save themselves from the tyranny of Matlock in horrible um, <laughs> doctor's offices, or perhaps Matt just Locke. use something great because Matt it's great. <laughs> Where should they go to pre-order their copy of a thousand recipes for revenge? And, or if they're listening to this after June 1st, just dive on in and get it. Well, there are a couple of, there are a couple of layers of answers to this. Ooh. First of all, the book is officially out June 1st and you can get it anywhere. It's done through 47 North, which is under the Amazon umbrella, but you can get it at any independent bookstore, Barnes and Noble, bookshop.org, all the places will have it. However, because it is out under the Amazon umbrella, it was selected as an Amazon first reads book for genre fiction for the month of May. So what that means is if people are, have joined first reads, they can log on. If they're a prime member, they can actually get the book for free right now in the month of May. I know. Or if they are not a Prime member, but they are in First Reads, they can get it for $1.99. And that's not just the U.S. And I know a lot of times sales are confined to countries like that. That also includes the U.K., Canada, Australia, and that as well. That's awesome. Well, so that then, is only for the month of May. If you like to keep up with your Functional Nerds episodes and are listening to this in May of 2023, go. You know what you must do, current Prime members. Yes, People. but June 1st will be all of the editions, and that includes my first ever audiobook. Which oh, I that's amazing. Really we love audiobooks. About. Yeah, and I, I had so many people wanting my previous books, Clockwork Dagger and Breath of Earth and all the following books. They were begging for audiobooks, and it just never happened. But this is actually going to have an audiobook, and I am so excited. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> that's awesome. Thank yeah. you. Well, it's you know, been people, super great talking. Hold on, hold on, hold on. People Nick, are always not on Facebook. I always see people posting on Facebook and different social media that that like they they'll say Prime members, what are the benefits of Prime? Why should I sign up? And I mm-hmm. think Beth yeah. just gave them a reason to sign up. Well, they they do these first reads every single month, and it mm-hmm. typically includes like four to six books of different genres. Not always fantasy and science fiction, sure. but every couple months there is a genre book in there. But usually it's a mix of nonfiction, thriller, mystery contemporary there, yeah. there's just a, a whole mix in there and this month mine is the the fantasy sci-fi pick so well if you are an omnivorous reader then it sounds like there's not a lose in that situation yeah and some do months you, you can even get two books free through it but this month this month is just one yeah 
So, so my last question for Beth, and I apologize for stretching this out, but I, I'm curious. Like, so you buy you buy blocks of cheese, which are great. Yes. And I know you slice them, and and uh, occasionally you need grated cheese. Like, do you do you have a preferred cheese grater that you use? A microplane. I tend to stick with a microplane brand. And okay. weirdly enough, you know, we were talking earlier about how I enter all these contests online and I end up winning stuff. I actually won a whole bunch of uh, microplane graders, like, gosh, 10 years ago now, something like that. And so I, I tend to use those products and I, and I love them. And it's nice. If, I'm ne- if I need to shred a lot of cheese, I will pull out my uh, food processor because yeah. that okay. is awesome. For, if I have to do like, I would say more than a couple ounces, it's just you know, two seconds, and then I can put the parts in the dishwasher top rack, and it cleans mm-hmm. it for me, which is awesome. But any smaller mess, yeah, I just do my little handheld microplaned, and I have different size graters, and mm-hmm. that works great. No pun intended. It's fun. <laughs> it's fun because uh, when I was a kid, uh, there was a couple of things that mom would make every once in a while because mom didn't cook because she was always working, so Grams mm-hmm. would do most of the cooking. But when mom would cook, it was like a big deal. And so we would, we would get, we would get pizza. She would make pizza or she would make lasagna or she'd make some. And so these, these needed grated cheese in them and she would not buy the pre-grated cheese. She always bought, Mm -hmm. like if it was mozzarella, she bought a big thing of mozzarella. And then, yeah. And then I was the one who sat at the table with the big block grater thing, just sitting there going, Mm -hmm. you know, grating the cheese. And, uh, that was my job. (laughs) <laughs> I did that and as a kid too. What's, yeah. What was, what was always fun about that is, and I did it for dad too, uh, at the restaurant, but he had, he had the big industrial thing. And so he had these, he, he had these gigantic blocks of mozzarella and he would cut them and he'd quarter them. And then you'd put a quarter stick in there and you just push it down in this thing and it would come out yep. grated. And I would catch it with my hands and just, you know, shove it in my face because for some reason when it came out of that thing, it tasted better. Yes. I don't know why, but it just tasted better. Uh, I agree. But yeah, that was my job. So I, I, I helped grade the cheese back in the day. And now I, I like the, the block thing that mom had uh, has rusted out. Yeah. yeah. And so I don't die eventually. Anymore. Yeah. Yeah, and so I have uh, I have like the smaller one with the handle that I use for Parmesan, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm looking for a new block thing. So I was just curious, like, what you were using. Well, if you want fun with Parmesan, get a Parm knife. Those are fun. A Parm a little, knife. Yeah, have you ever seen a Parm knife? Oh, there are all kinds of neat cheese knives. I, I know now. Okay, yeah, I have an excited look. New pick of the week. <laughs> <laughs> no Parm knives. They're they're short and stubby, and mm-hmm. they have this. Interesting little, they have a, a nice point and kind of a curve to them, but they're short and stubby. So they're not a long bread knife type of thing, or even like a steak knife. And the thing is with parm, because it is such a hard cheese, if you try and use a normal knife with it, it's going to go all weird and you're very likely to cut yourself because it's just going to go. Yeah. So if you have like an actual little block of Parmesan, you get your parm knife and you stab it, very cathartic, and you can chunk it up. Oh, nice. So that's the way if, if you're, you know, and also you can get a, a cheese slicer too, which is nice for some cheeses, but yeah. parm is so hard that you really need a stabby function. <laughs> well, I, I have the, uh, I have a grater. It's a, it's a tiny, it grades really small, I want to say, but it's on a handle. Yeah. And so you can just sit there and hold it and just kind of. Yeah. That's like the microplane the... ones I have. Yeah. Yeah. That's what yeah, I'm like. It's for. a rasp. If it's really fine, yeah. it's, they'll call it a rasp. Yeah. And that's really good yeah. for the Parmesan. Just you get those mm-hmm. little fine, little, almost like hair-like curly cues. Oh, yeah. 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 Those are good. 
So now, now that we like exactly now that we've made cannoli Joe hungry, <laughs> far be it for me to rush us out of cheese. Like I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna get in the way of that train. So it's been awesome having you on, Beth. Thank you so much. Thank you for sending me your book and uh, listeners. It's May. It could be May when you're listening to this. If it's not May 2023 when you're listening to this, then I'm sorry you missed you out. Know. And now you know the value of keeping up with the podcast. So <laughs> go get yourself a thousand recipes for revenge and uh, and figure out for yourself well, how cool it is if food is magic. Thank you all so much. Thanks, Beth. All good things. Here we are at the end again. But there's some stuff you should probably know before you go. First, consider heading over to beyondthetrope.com and checking out their podcast. It's a lot of fun. Giles and Michelle have been around for nearly a decade now, I think, having fun chats with writers, artists, actors, and more. They put out a new episode every Tuesday and have something like 430 overall in the can, I think. As of this recording, it might be 431, I don't know. But that means there's plenty there for you to dive into. Second, if you liked this episode of The Functional Nerds, consider giving us a couple of stars on your favorite podcast platform or posting about this episode or any of our episodes on your favorite social media platform. Tell your friends about us. Have them come over. We would really appreciate that part. If you buy a book mentioned on the podcast, let us know on social media. Tag us. Tag the author. That's always so much fun, and it really, really drives home that we help sell books every once in a while. Now, if you really, really, really enjoyed this episode, you could head over to patreon.com slash functional nerds and give us a couple of bucks. I mean, that helps to keep the lights on. We like that. It's kind of hard to podcast in the dark. You can get access to some cool stuff like a pretty engaged and vibrant super secret Facebook group, a monthly virtual hangout, or even an extra episode. It's called the Just Us episode of the podcast. And it's exclusively at this point for our Patreon backers. So if you just want to hear Tracy and I talk about stuff, that might be where you need to go. Other than that, huh, what do we think about Mando season three? Mr. Carpiers, you got it right. How about that? Yeah. You can call me Cannoli Joe. If you've if you've never listened to the podcast, there there's there's two different styles here. There's there's Tracy who does prep work and comes up with some very thoughtful questions, and then oh squirrel! Oh, for God's sake, Patrick Louise! <laughs> Are you okay with me recording you today for the purposes of this podcast? <laughs> okay, that's probably a good enough signal. <laughs> when someone comes up to me and says, "Hey, I really love what you do," I'm like. I'm sorry, do you know who I, like, I think you have me confused with someone else. The whiz bang and the gosh wow and the sense of wonder stuff. My favorite thing about time travel is I actually had a time travel joke for you guys, but you didn't like it. I'm so excited.